Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today, we got a Q&A, and we've been doing a lot of fucking interviews lately, and we got a lot more to go, which I'm excited about. Feels good to be doing it again. Yep. Um, and I want to make a point to just have like a, I would say after this week, one per week, <laughs> back to the routine of just having one interview per week. I mean, what we have like four or five this week, it's just like a bit much. Five. It's dope. Two yesterday, three tomorrow. Nuts. Yep. Is it three tomorrow? Three interviews tomorrow? Yep. Oh, yeah. That's right. We got, uh, um, actually, I'm really excited for, for Steve, uh, who's the author of Peak Performance and Do Hard Things. So shout out to him and his book if you haven't checked that out. Um, but that's like right up, obviously, our alley of what we talk about. I mean, shit, that like I posted on my story yesterday. Yep. I'm going to be a runner. People are going to listen in. I will not be I wearing. Be a runner. <laughs> I will not. Oh, I guess that's cyclists. You know, cyclists have like the extra tight sh- suits and like the cap sometimes and stuff. Um, I'm not going to be doing all that, but uh, it was funny too. Uh, I said on my story, like, you know, do you guys got any shoe recommendations? Yeah. Cause I was like, damn near rolling my ankle out there. And uh, everybody was giving me their recommendations. Like Brooks and Hoka's were like the two main ones. And then there was. Aces? No, nobody said that. No. Surprisingly. Um, because I, I do know, but I know like Brooks and Hoka's like, they're like designed specifically for I've running. I've never heard of. Very similar. But I'm like, not a running guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was for one guy was like Nike fly knits. And I was like, yeah, those look dope, but I've actually heard they're really not good for running whatsoever. You and responded I was like, that? Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, unfortunately the, the, the running, the shoes that look dope, they're not good for running. Yeah. Cause let's be honest, Brooks and yeah. don't look that cool. Yeah. Hocus look cooler than Brooks, but no matter what, they, they're just, they're not that tight. Um, but yeah, I'm not going for, I'm not going for looks here, but I'm doing it because it's, it's, I just fucking hate running. Yeah. I literally, I'm like, it's, I can think of way better things to do, but I just like, as far as conditioning, but even in the gym conditioning, it's hard for me to grind through because I just get so bored and it's just mind numbing. Um, and when I push past that, like the, the kind of aerobic threshold that I'm used to, I just get uncomfortable, you know, like it's that to me, like uncomfortable, not like I won't do it, but uncomfortable. Like I'm more likely to back out of that than lifting heavy, yeah. you know, cause I just don't like, it. it's just not in my comfort zone. But even yesterday it was funny. I had like, I got the Apple watch already. I busted out cause I haven't worn it in forever. And the, the band gives me my eczema breaks out. So I just never wear Damn. it. But like I wear it for the runs. Cause then I was like, Oh, I can get my phone, Spotify. I can get the running app so I can like do my pacing for the heart rate. It's gonna be dope. Cause then I can actually do the zones. Cause if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, you know? And I'm not really intuitive with zone two, which is going to be a certain heart rate per, you know, per minute or whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to know that off the top of my head. Like I'm not that good yet. So I wanted to use that and I thought I plugged everything in and then I like took off and I had like, I started the song and I like went for it. Right. And I have like, it was slipknot cause it was like this headbanger one starting with a bang dude, yeah. like metal five minute mile, dude. I got like <laughs> that song finished. And then my, my Apple watch was like basically error, nothing else downloaded. And I was just like, <laughs> God damn it. So then I ran in silence, yeah. which was funny. Cause I was talking to Cody Smith about this cause he got really into running. And I was talking to him quite a bit and he was, cause I was, at first I was giving him shit about it. And then I was like, what do you listen to? I've asked Tony this too. And Tony, my tattoo artist, oh. he did a, uh, he's training for the Boston marathon. Like 
Damn. He's running, bro. And he's yeah. done like multiple marathons and everything so far. And uh, I mean, he obviously started with like a half marathon or whatever, but there's times where he, he, he doesn't listen to anything. And I'm like, dude, you're running for like hours. You're thinking. And he was like, dude, it's like the most meditative. You think so deep. And I'm, to me, my ADHD, I was like, I can't do that. Yeah. But I thought about way back when I did the, uh, for my 90 day outcomes, I did the float tank every week. And it was the same thing. Like the thought of sitting still and not listening to anything for 90 minutes. and Scared float, you? Yeah. I don't, I don't have claustrophobia, but yeah. like just being in my head for that long, I would just, I'd go crazy. So then I like worked up to it and I eventually did it. So like yesterday as I was running, I was like, this is God telling me to fucking learn to chill and create space, you know, yeah. and just not listen to anything. And it was actually kind of nice. Like I actually just ran and was able to just, just think, Dope. you know, but it was, it was cool. It was uh, interesting. So I did, I just did two miles yesterday, which for me is, is a good amount. Dope. But I thought it was funny that you put on your story, you're like, just to make this, make it clear, this is not a permanent thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is temporary. <laughs> once, awesome. Once I don't dread going, but then that's the other thing too, is like most people, when they get to the point where they don't dread it, they like it and then they're going to keep doing it. Yeah. You know, so I don't know what it'll turn into. I know for me, like part of it, cause I was, when I came back, all the kids and one of the parents was sitting down there and then Shannon took off to her appointment. So I was sitting there with uh, this guy, Chris bullshit and, and we were talking about um, running and, and all those kind of things. And he was like, you picked a great time to start. About to piss rain. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, because he was like, oh, like, how often do you run? I was like, oh, I don't. He was like, what do you mean? I was like, this is the first time. He was like, this is the first time you've ran? I was like, in years. I just don't do it. And uh, and I was like, yeah, but I did that on purpose in a way because I know, like, it's getting colder, but it's still sunny. It'll be easier for me to get started. Dude, when it's raining, I still want to go do it because I want to literally go out there in the rain. Ouch. Because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Like the whole point is like mental toughness. You know, it's the whole point of us doing the cold shower for however many days the Tailored Life Challenge was, you yeah. know, um, which we are going to bring back at some point. I'm kind of waiting for the app because we'll have the forum, which will be really dope because yeah. people can join the app and then use the habit tracker inside the app and then the forum to keep them accountable inside the app. Like it's going to be Love dope. It. Um, Incentives. But yeah, Cody's becoming a runner, so I'm running a bit. Um, got some cool interviews, quick stuff for you guys. Uh, we just dropped another blog. Uh, we dropped. Uh, when is this coming out? This is this is before Joe D. Are you Joe talking D. to Amber tomorrow? Who? Amber from V. Friday. Oh, okay. Today's Wednesday. All right. Uh, I don't have it on the calendar. Mm. Oh, not podcast. Oh no, she's coming in. She wants to talk on the phone. Oh, okay. And then podcast, never podcast before. Okay. She's like, I need to know what a podcast is all about. Yeah. So local business owner. So we're good. We got a uh, really, really popular gym owner from out here. Possible six interviews. Um, Yeah, no shit. Um, Female entrepreneur who is absolutely crushing out here. I'm excited to talk to her. We have the men's health uh, magazine editor coming on. We have the author of Do Hard Things coming on. We have Sam Miller coming on. He just launched a book. We just interviewed Joe D, Joe DeFranco, who is... I don't know if it's out yet. If it's not, it's relatively soon. Is it out already by the time it's airs? I'm not sure. I have no idea. Um, but that was a legend. So that was like a bucket list check off for me. Uh, Lori Christine King came on. So a lot of good content coming out. We just dropped another blog as well. Um, really, really fucking cool. How to create your own pre-workout. So if you've ever wondered what the best ingredients are per 
like in inside of a, a pre-workout number one if it says proprietary blend you got to be somewhat cautious depending on the company um for example like first form um shout out to first form firstform.com slash tailored coaching method project one is their pre-workout uh, it's dosed damn near perfectly compared to what brandon roberts put together as like the ultimate like the perfect formula for a pre-workout uh supplement um but there, and I've had this question from clients, they have a few products that have proprietary blends. And normally I would not recommend that because it's basically saying like, you don't know what's in there because yeah. it says 3000 milligrams. It's got a whole bunch of shit. It could be all basically one cheap ingredient and then a little bit of the good stuff. So you're not getting anything out of it. However, if you pay close attention, and I've actually been in their warehouse where they do this stuff and I've asked them this specific question and this is the truth. Uh, they only do it on very, very specific products that nobody else makes. And they do that so other companies can't steal their formulas and do the same product because nobody's done it yet, which makes a lot of sense because they're leading in the industry. People are going to try to follow and Definitely. replicate their shit. Um, but really cool blog. It breaks all of it down. It breaks down the science, how much of each you need. Um, so you can take one ingredient. You can take all of them. You can make your own by getting bulk supplements on Amazon. Or you can head to firstform.com slash coaching method and use theirs, what we recommend, obviously. Um, but it's not a blog plugging their shit. So uh, full transparency. Like it's just a blog talking about the science behind pre-workout, which is really cool. Um, so that just came out. We have a lot of, a lot of good stuff coming out. So check out all the channels. Um, last but not least, giantlifting.com, TCM 10 for 10% off. If you need, uh, I was just talking to a client who wants us to design his garage gym, which is Sick. really cool. I was like, absolutely. Yeah. That is really fun, um, to do. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's about it. Let's get into some questions. Let's get it. All right. We will start off with the first one coming from Heather B 85. It says, how do you stay motivated when your goal is so far away? Um, so I think that there's a few things here. Like, I, I think that there's in general, no matter, and this is not like, I don't want to be aggressive or like make you feel like shit, not you specifically, Heather, but just people in general. If you're not willing to work hard for your goals, don't have goals. If you're not willing to invest, uh, like Steve, one of my old coaches used to always say, you're watching your wallet, your time and your money basically, into your goals, into the process of getting there, stop wasting your time. Like, I think that there's such a, I mean, in today's society, convenience is everything, right? We talked a little bit about this in a joking way, but it's true. Like, everything has just been given and it's easier and easier and easier. It's even like me and Shannon are learning this as parents. Like, it's even with that, like trying to teach your child patience and uh, what is the right word? Patience and, and not hard work, but like discipline Discipline and, and, you know, like back when we were kids, you know, like Blake is too young to mow my lawn. <laughs> so she's four. But I remember when I was to a point where I wanted something, it was like, clean your toy room, go mow the lawn, go weed, do something, you know? And now like I used to vacuum for money. Now we have a robot that vacuums our house for us. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, and I want that, but yeah. there's all these things. So it's even to the point where, you know, Blakely wants to watch something, click a button, boom, it's on there. She doesn't have to wait for Tuesday night at 6 p.m. for a show. Yeah. Like, it's just, it, everything's done. Yeah. And there was this blog, this, this, these parents wrote, wrote that Shannon shared with me, but kind of talking about how, like, these little tricks that you can do to help them, even where it's like, you, you want me to turn on Netflix and watch your show, you just got to wait two minutes, start a timer, and it just teaches them to wait. You know, like, little things like that, because you have to force that, otherwise, your kid's going to be an ungrateful little shit that gets whatever they want, you yeah. know, and... That's a battle for parents right now. But the point is, is this is how life is becoming and it's getting harder and harder and harder. But I think the key 
in this is to accept investment, accept hard work and sacrifice and be excited about that part of it because it makes the goal that you're achieving way more meaningful, you know, and when you do it that way, you engulf yourself in the process, you know, this is even where like, I think investing in a coach, paying somebody else, not only is it going to make your results better because you are going to be held more accountable, even if it's not the best coaching, like obviously you should probably spend the money on good coaching, but even if you pay for bad coaching, you're paying money. That's, that's skin in the game and you are going to be more accountable to the, the work that is required to get there. You're going to be more diligent about getting it done, right? Um, I even, like I posted that thing. I don't know if you saw me and that guy arguing on that post where I said you're 10 times more likely to lose weight if you pay somebody. Do you see that? I did not. So I posted you're 10 times more likely to... to Story? Uh, no, it was a post. Okay. Uh, to lose weight if you pay somebody and, and then it said dot, dot, even if that person gives you dog shit advice. And there was like a couple swipes of like different information of like yeah. why the studies prove this, you know? And uh, a whole bunch of people were sharing it and like, fuck yeah, this is so true. It's so accurate. Like I finally started getting results once I paid somebody or like keeps people accountable, whatever. And this one guy was like, that's a weird way to, uh, that's a weird way to get people to pay you as a trainer. And I was just like, Bro, you, I was, you obviously There's a don't, lot of trainers out there. Yeah, and I literally was like, you obviously don't know me, so I totally get it how you could perceive that as like a weird thing. But uh, research shows, and I like just broke shit down, and then he like disabled my ability to comment back to him. So when you reply, it says like null, and it won't let you literally. It's so weird. I didn't know that. So he says something else again, basically like saying, it's fucked, that's fucked up, and you're just playing on people. And then I was like, if I was playing on people, I wouldn't have put out over 800 episodes of a free podcast, which by the way is a thousand hours of my time at no cost, free guides, free eBooks, free blog. Like I just started listing everything. I was like, I would, I would totally respect your opinion, but because you don't, I, I totally respect your opinion because you don't know me, obviously. Yeah. But if you did, you would understand that that's far from the truth. And the reality is just for these people, they can get pretty far with just all my free stuff. But if they really want to take it to the next level and get the best results and go from like, if you're going from like A to C, you can get from A to B from the free stuff, but you got to pay to get from B to C. It's just yeah. part of it. Like he, and then he basically was, was like, sorry for sharing your post. I, I guess I guess you understand your opinion. And then like followed me. Nice. Like actually followed me. Yeah. I didn't follow him back, <laughs> but, um, but he seems like a good guy. I, I mean, like the fact that he was able to pull back down, I was like, okay. Um, but I got pretty hot about it. But to me, that's even that it's like, I mean, in that case, like how the fuck is a career coach supposed to make money? But nonetheless, if you expect everything for free or everything handed to you, you're not going to get anywhere in life. And even if you stick to it during the time, you're going to fall off and lose those results afterwards because you're not investing anything, yeah. no work, no time, no money. So long winded way of saying the way to be motivated is to be motivated by the work. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but because that's their question, right? Like, how do you stay motivated when you know it's so far away? Correct. Like, if my goal is way out there, it's a, it's a hundred yards away. I got to be excited about the 10 yard goal. Right. And then I got to be excited about each yard along the journey, which is every step I take, every action I, I implement, every practice I do, all the things that lead to the 10 yards, which I know multiplied by 10 times the amount of time is going to lead me to the hundred yards. And if you break it down that way, you begin to enjoy the process, right? This is like the infinite game, a book by, um, same guy that wrote start with why Cal Newport, maybe not. I think it might be Cal Newport, but the infinite game, Simon, Simon Sinek. Yep. 
Really, really good book. And it talks about this. People who win the infinite game, which is like you just keep going and going and going and succeeding, they're process-oriented, not um, results or outcome-oriented. So, yeah, we got to have our North Star of where we're going because that gives us direction. But the people who are just focused on the end point, they never really win and sustain the result and keep it there for a long period of time because they're not engulfed in the process. They're not loving the process and what's making them a better person along the journey. And that's really what it's about. And this is the same reason why if you look at, if you are an entrepreneur, you'll probably know somebody who's like this or maybe have done it yourself. There's many times where entrepreneurs hit a ceiling because they basically build a house, light it on fire, water it down, rebuild the house, light it on fire, water it down, rebuild. Like they, they get off on the process of building it up. And once it gets up there, they don't feel worthy and they don't know what their next step is. So they fuck it up so they can rebuild it. And then they stay at this, this ceiling and they just keep going like this, right? I've even done it in business. I've done it with my body. People do it all the time. It's what the book, uh, another book drop, the big leap is about. Mm. Um, but it's, it really all boils down to the process. You know, if I think enjoying the process, loving the process. Exactly. Yep. And and being really excited about the work involved in that, you know, not dreading the work and only focusing about the outcome, but loving the work, being pretty excited about the outcome, you know, but for people, even like myself as an example, like how do I, how have I, how am I still motivated to work out after over a decade? It's because I'm excited about today's workout. Not like (laughs) getting a six pack eventually. Like it's, it's always the process in the middle. Same thing with business. It's creation, it's support, it's mentoring. It's like, what can we do in the process that makes us excited to just keep growing, not finish, you know? And if you are a business owner and you do have a finish, like we've talked about this, like every business has a capacity unless you want to change the model and go beyond that capacity. But if you don't want to change the model, every business has a capacity. You got to build a new business and have two. Like ultimately, which is a, not an easy thing to do, but otherwise it's you, necessary. you burn it down and rebuild it. You know, if you don't think of something else to start working on, but, um, yeah, fall in love with the process. That's totally. it. I love that. That's it. Cool. All right. We will move on to the next question is from K K cost. Not, uh, how to not be scared to eat more food in order to get big muscles. <clears throat> how um, to not be scared to eat more food. Yeah, very, very common. I mean, we talked about this a lot in like the, the lean gain episode, but like more common with women. But in general, I mean, that's actually, that's not true. Um, I think it's more commonly talked about with women. You know what I mean? Because guys don't usually talk about that stuff. But there's a lot of guys who don't want to just gain weight and get fat. So they're afraid to eat more calories, but more calories are needed in order to build muscle, especially after you get to your intermediate or advanced stages of your training. But the easiest way to answer this is pretty simple. Like don't think about what is going to happen in now. So like if you have to eat more in order to build muscle and you're worried about eating more to build muscle now, because it's going to cause you to gain too much weight. Some of that weight will be muscle and that's great, but you also know it's going to Maybe put on some fat. Number one, you can listen to the lean gaining episode. Read the, we have a guide on how to lean bulk on our website. You can do it a slower way, a proper way, and avoid excessive fat gain. You should do that, in my opinion. But you still have to see the scale go up, which can cause people some issues. So I think the most important thing to do and the thing to focus on most, if you are somebody who needs to put on muscle mass, which means you probably will and should gain some weight 
in the short period of time, you're going through a gaining phase. You're going through a maintenance phase. You've been cutting and trying to lose weight. You're no longer losing weight. You know you got to stop dieting and you got to shift into a different phase of dieting, which is probably going to be maintenance or a lean gaining slight surplus. And you're afraid of that journey, which most people are, and it's understandable why, especially with the narrative of our culture saying like you got to be smaller and smaller and smaller all the time. Think about your physique, not in three to six months, but in two to three years, because I can speak from experience both myself and with clients coaching. If you trust me enough to put you through a maintenance or gaining phase now, not getting quote unquote leaner for the next few months, maybe six months in order to get you even leaner, but with more muscle tissue and healthier hormones after you're going to be way better off and you're going to love your body way more. So like think about your physique years down the line when you have more muscle tissue, you're, you're more easily able to diet because you don't have to diet on so, uh, so little calories and the end result of your cut is going to be what you actually envision, right? If you keep trying to diet now, you might lose weight, but it might not all be good weight, right? Or it might be some of it might be good weight, not all bad weight, which would be body fat, um, which puts you in a, a more of like a, what a lot of people call like skinny fat, right? Position. So think long term, just like the last question, trust the process, fall in love with the process. But like think of your physique down the road if you do take the time. Because anybody who has this issue, like anybody who thinks about like, they're afraid to eat more food because they don't want to gain weight, but they know they need the maintenance phase. They know they're too stressed out. They know they need to put on muscle to get the physique goal they want long-term. You guys all know the answer. You know you have to do it. You just don't envision what will be down the line. You just envision the short-term progress of gaining weight. That's all you think about. But you don't think about the fact that gaining weight is going to improve so many things that is going to make it easier to cut next time and then make the end result of the next cut even better. Yeah. So think of that. And I think it'll be 10 times easier. Totally. Yeah. Cool. All right. We will move on here. We got one coming from Annette May 23 says, what is the best way to build super stubborn muscles as in lower glutes specifically? So I, I would say this, like focus on building your glute entirely, not just your lower glute. Um, that's a, like, Upper and in lateral, so outside glute, is easier to target. Lower glute is pretty difficult. Yeah. Um, you're going to store more fat on your lower glute too. So like some people need to get leaner um, and build muscle, right? So um, my assumption is that, and, and this is just an assumption, you probably, most people who would have that question probably just need to build their glutes, period. They probably don't have big glutes and or they need to get a little bit leaner. So if you're, you need to get a little bit leaner and you don't have big glutes, it's going to look like you need to tone or tighten your lower glute. Really, you need to build the whole glute and you just need to get leaner. Um, and even that, like if you work the lateral and the upper glute more, it's going to lift your, your butt. Like So for a butt lift or what women are usually after, you actually want more of the outer and the upper because it gives that more like shape. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's a few things here. Like number one, if you're not doing enough uh volume it's obviously not going to grow you need to send volume to the target area but if you're not doing the right exercises you're not going to be able to you're, I mean, you're doing more volume that's junk volume so it kind of depends if you can feel the glutes fire really well you just need to do more volume and that's either going to be by most likely i would recommend increasing frequency so instead of just having a glute day where you just smash your glutes i would rather you do three days a week of glutes where you're doing hitting them at least four sets each day, if not upwards of, of eight sets per day, which is a lot, but your glutes can handle it. And if you spread it out evenly, it's nice. Uh, it'll, it'll be easy to recover from. Plus you're not doing heavy deadlifts. So it's not neurologically demanding. You're doing, let's say 
like a bridge or hip thrust variation each day, and then you're doing like a hip abduction or some kind of external rotation exercise. Most days you could also do like hip extensions uh, on the on the reverse side, so like a reverse hyper or a glute dominant back extension. But either way, you're doing a lot of hip extension, um, and you are doing um, some, I would say, hip flexion to get a big stretch. But you're going to get that too with your squats if you're going deep enough, everything like that. But hip abduction, so like the machine, you can do like a quadruped position where you're doing like the fire hydrant, like a basically like a dog pissing Holy. with a band. Um, that kind of stuff does work, and you're just sending volume there. The hip abduction is going to be more outer glutes, uh, hip hip thrusts, bridges, stuff like that. It's going to be more all-around glute. Um, you will get more of the lower glute because it's a more full range of motion, especially if you're doing a hip thrust because you get that deep stretch at the bottom. And then something like a glute-dominant back extension or a reverse hyper is going to be more upper glute. But if you're doing enough volume, you're doing three days a week, you also have to consider, um, like we've talked a lot about it lately, like but like limb lengths and stuff like that. If you're not feeling the glutes fire, you could be just – basically smashing your nervous system and banging up your joints by doing exercises all the time that aren't actually targeting the muscle. So if you have really long limbs, this is the only time I would really say this. If you have really long femurs or limbs, you might have to just change it up a little bit. Um, or I'm sorry, vice versa. If you have really short limbs, you might have to not rely so much on the hip thrust and things like that. Um, and I'd probably guess that you do because most of the time people with long limbs, they kind of make everything glute dominant if you have glute long femurs. So hip thrust and all that stuff will work great, but you probably are you would be a glute dominant squatter naturally. You'd probably be a glute dominant lunge naturally. Um, you might have more low back issues. So if you're the type of person that as soon as you start going heavy on any type of or higher rep or volume, your low back fatigues before your glutes fatigue. Um, one, that could be positioning and core strength. But two, it could just be because you have really long legs. And if you need to go unilateral, just do single leg. That way you can like take the load off the joint use half the weight basically and just isolate one glute at a time. Um, and then if you have really short legs, you're probably going to want to do um, just more volume total because you're going to be a very quad dominant person naturally. So that's where I would do like pre-fatigue stuff too. But in general, like the, the most basic advice for somebody like this, and this goes for any body part, um, figure out what exercises are going to work for you specifically based on your mechanics. And even if you can't sit there and measure and do all the stuff that I would like to do, you can at least go through all these different exercises and just see what you feel the most, right? See where you're starting to feel the muscle work the most and then split up your volume. Do a lot of volume, but split it up evenly throughout the week so your frequency is high and then take back some of the volume on your quads so that you're not doing just a god-awful oh, amount, yeah, yeah. Of, of just leg volume period, but just the same amount of volume total, but more so for your posterior chain, your glutes. Right? Totally. And then if you really think about lower glutes, a, a lot of times that's like your glute, hamstring tie-in so you might want to do like good mornings and uh rdls and stuff like that too that's where the glute ties into the hamstring um but again i also think this is like we're talking bodybuilding bikini athlete specific um like ariel wants to get her pro card this year for her i'm going to be helping her with her training and like we get very very specific because like the judges will literally say your glute hamstring tie-in needs to be better unless you're fucking shredded to the boat, you can't even see it, you know? So I think like for most people and probably the person asking this, just doing, finding the basic exercises that work well for you and then just doing evenly spread volume throughout the week with it, totally. you know? Damn. That's crazy. All right, cool. We will uh, move on to the next one. We got one from Gina Damilla. It says, what to do when you can push more weight than you can get into the into place? 
For example, dumbbell chest press. Uh, you got a few options. Um, get a buddy. If you can't get a buddy, um, there's certain ways to do the exercises. So um, this is also where I think some people do static holds. So for example, um, you could set up pins in a bar in a rack and do barbell instead of dumbbell for this, but it'll still help you with the dumbbell press. Unrack a heavy load that you know you can't press. Just hold it. Yeah. Literally just hold it there. So your joints and your nervous system can get used to holding super heavy weights. Because a lot of times your nervous system is just not ready and it and it's or it's awkward. Dumbbell press, I think a lot of people like lay down and they try to like get it in there, but you see me do all the time. I sit at the front of the bench. I, I'm not gonna awkwardly get hundred pound dumbbells up. I put them on my knees and then I literally swing myself back kicking the dumbbells above me and then I just lock on my elbows and then they're right over my chest. And then when I'm done, throw them down. Yeah. Clear the way I'm fucking dropping them. I'm not going to try to go slowly and tear my bicep tendon, you know? So don't try to lower them, but like put them on your knees and then fold up. Um, you can also do floor presses. If you can't do that, you can do floor presses and a cool way to do floor presses, get a bench that is not an incline decline bench. Um, so one that is, it has like, it's basically nothing underneath. I would do like a seal row on it or anything, you know? So there's no like, I mean, you could put a barbell under the bench if you needed to. Lay your body underneath the bench when you're doing floor presses. Uh, bend your knees, everything. But like basically put the bench between, uh, right around over your hip and then put the dumbbells on the bench s- stacked up. So they're vertical on the bench. You go underneath the bench, sit up to the bench, but you're on the floor Grab the dumbbells and just sit back on the floor. It's already up there. Yep. Like it's, it makes it super easy. Um, I even do it on the floor. I'll have them stand next to me. I'll put my knee under one side and I, I knee it up towards me as I curl. That's a super easy way because I don't need to get them way up here. I can start from the bottom. Um, but there's a lot of little easy tricks with that stuff. And then, of course, like hammer strength, chest press. You don't need to do shit. It's just a machine, you know? Yeah. So you can always do machine. Like I would say this. Like, try using those things with weights that are – safe enough for you to feel comfortable with and then if you're like i can go heavier but i can't get in the position start using a a hammer strength chest press machine it's still horizontal pushing exercise overload that so you're building strength in that movement pattern the horizontal pushing movement while trying to work on the little things to improve your ability to get the dumbbells in place you know i mean it's just it's it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. there's a lot of hacks and you can also google this or youtube search this like how to get dumbbells in place, how to get hip thrusts in place. There's a million video videos showing different weird tricks and hacks and stuff like that. Um, I looked up one to try to show a client what I was talking about. And the amount I found was oh, nuts on that, one, on that one tactic. Yeah. It was for a floor press and it was like, Holy shit. There's a lot of weird ways to do this, but it's easier than you Find think. one that works best for you. Yeah, exactly. Totally cool. I love it. Let's uh, move on to the next one. It's coming from Sarah. All right. Um, oh, this is fun. this is a fun one. All right. So I don't know when to weigh myself. I am am successfully recovering from uh, menorrhea, so I can't wait too long to eat in the morning. It is also not good for me to drink coffee on an empty stomach for that same reason. The problem is I almost never poop first thing after getting up. I usually have to have some sort of chill. And drink some coffee before I take a dump. <laughs> By that time, I also will have eaten breakfast. I don't think there's ever a time during the day when my stomach is empty. What might you suggest for this? Uh, I've I've actually had a few clients like overthink this and ask me the same exact question. Not necessarily um, 
completely same situation, but basically I, I can't go to the bathroom right away. I need to like, what do I do about weighing in? Um, th- there's a few things here. Like number one, whatever you do consistently is an accurate measurement. Yeah. So if you weigh in every single day in the morning before drinking coffee, before taking a dump, before doing that stuff, just keep fucking doing that. That is an accurate measurement. Um, the thing people say is like, yeah, but is that a really a, a we would call like a raw weight because you know you haven't like cleared your bowels and everything. Ninety nine percent chance you take the same size shit every single morning, guaranteed. Most of us do, and if it's a little bit different, I mean, we're we're talking a very very small amount, you yeah. know. Um, now, if you normally eat, let's say four meals a day, and they're all about the same size. But one day you're busy and you end up eating like three times the amount of calories in one meal at night. You have one big, your weight's going to be off in the morning. It's not because you need to take a, a dump that's three times the size as normal, but it's because you have a bunch of food volume in your gut, not in your literal digest tract about to go out, but like in your stomach and it's pulling your water and stuff. I probably wouldn't even weigh in that day. You can skip a weigh, out, a weigh in once a week. You're, it's fine. Like you have three or more per week, you're, you're fine. The more, the better, obviously. But if you have one, if you, if I go out to sushi, for example, and I hit my macros, I'm not going to weigh in the next day because that's most likely meaning I saved more carbs for night and I'm probably gonna have more sodium because sushi is high salt. So I'm going to be heavier in the morning. Why weigh in and throw off my average and fuck it with my head for no reason. There's just no point, but weigh in at the same time every day. Don't wait for a shit. Like it's always the same. Same thing with progress pictures. Like I literally every single morning, my routine is exact same. I wake up, walk in our bathroom. I take a piss, stand on the scale before I do anything. I just, it's in the bathroom. It's right there. I don't, I haven't drank water yet. I haven't drank coffee. Definitely haven't taken a shit yet. It's five 30 in the morning. Like I just step on the scale, take my weight and go. And it is extremely accurate because the fluctuations I see are so minimal. Yeah. Then I have two cups of coffee, usually take a shit. And then I take my progress pictures when I need to take progress pictures. Right. So some people say, but yeah, but that's like, you're having coffee with collagen in it. You've probably drank some water, which I have. Um, like, Okay. But it's consistent. It's consistent. If I do it every single time, then I'm taking the pictures under the same exact situation, circumstances every single time. So unless you have a, like a fancy mocha machine and you're doing different types of coffee and stuff, <laughs> it, it, it don't matter. Totally. Yeah. So just, just keep it consistent. Like, but I do have, a, uh, I've had multiple clients ask this question and they're worried that it's going to throw off their weight and it's just not like, it's the same every time. That's all that matters. Totally. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so we can accurately... All right, the next one's coming from Jenny LaFlavor. Uh, it says, hi, Cody and Travis. I am a high school strength and conditioning coach in Maine and work with all types of athletes and non-athletes. Some of the ones who are overweight who are not in season have recently told me that they are act- actively trying to lose weight and improve their fitness. How would you guide teenage athletes in their fat loss journey? I'm trying to get them to do the basics really well, consider, or as in consistently with their meals, eating whole foods and prioritizing protein without them having be- become fixated on tracking or the number on the scale. The easiest way to do this is to find strategies that are going to help them lose weight that can be gamified and can also be... Uh, reasons for other things. So for example, start a step count challenge with the kids. 
And this is for cardiovascular help, health, which is going to help you on the field in said sport. This is also going to burn more calories and make you lose weight. That's the main reason we're doing it, right? There's more efficient ways to get them to improve their cardiovascular health, but this is an extra thing they can do outside the thing. They can, you can get step counters for 20 bucks on Amazon. Everybody puts it in your pocket. You're tracking it. The winner gets something at the end of the month, whatever it may be, right? But now we have everybody hitting a step goal. Everybody's doing it together. Everybody's accountable, and there's a prize at the end of it. We've gamified it. It's a competition. That's going to help them lose weight, and you don't have to say, hey, you guys all need to lose weight. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. We're saying, hey, we're trying to improve cardiovascular and aerobic fitness for your sport. Here's what we're going to do. And it's a challenge. Here's the winner. You know, you gamified it. You found an alternate reason so that they're not like focusing on the wrong thing, which I agree with. I don't think they definitely shouldn't be tracking macros. But if youth kids like little kids and and young teens are tracking and, and doing things like dieting and stuff at that young age, it's just a way to create unhealthy relationships with food and dieting and body image later on in life. So avoid it at all costs. But that's one example. Um, Another one would be protein. You can do the same exact thing, but it's, it's, you know, X amount of handfuls per day or protein shakes or different, like three different sources of protein per day. And they have to upload pictures to a Slack group or Facebook group or whatever it may be. Like you can gamify it. Now it's a competition. Everybody's competing against each other. Kids are competitive, especially when it's like kids in this situation, which I'm assuming is because they are playing a sport together. They're in a training class together. So now it's gamified. We're not removing anything from the diet. We're adding something in that is going to build muscle, and that's what we're going to tell them. This is to build more muscle so you can be better at your sport. Young youth athletes want that. It's also going to help their metabolism. It's going to keep them more satiated. If they're more satiated from whole food protein sources, they're less likely to eat Snickers and ice cream and shit like that that's making them fat. Um, so we don't need to take those things away from them. We just need to add other things that lowers the likelihood of them wow. eating those things. And it'll be completely subconscious. They won't even realize it. They'll just not go to the snack bar at school. What was it? You know, the, remember the thing up in the hot hall? Spot. Hot spot. That was what ours was called. They won't go to the hot spot. I can't believe I remembered that. I know. That was a long time I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, the hot spot was the was shit, there. though. Yeah. But I guarantee if I ate more protein, I wouldn't have stopped there for a fucking chips or ice cream bar or whatever. Strawberry shortcake ice cream bar. Those were so good. <laughs> Those are stuff. The ice cream man came and I was like, Blakely, you want this. I'm telling you. I don't, but you do. And she was like, no, the pony one. And I'm like, you don't even chew gum. That's like the things are gumballs on it. You know, I'm like, you you literally don't like gum. This is strawberry shortcake. You want it. I was like, mad. (laughs) Um, But you gamify it, right? So they're doing, they're eating protein and you just figure out how you want to structure that, how you're going to hold them accountable. The winner gets something. It is going to help them lose weight, but it's also going to help them build muscle and perform their sport better, which is what they want and they're focusing on. Um, In the gym, you do the same thing. So you can do, we did like trap bar challenges. We did like one minute AMRAP challenges. We did a conditioning game. So like you can play tag in so many different ways with kids. Like for example, we did, we would do like bear crawls and we were trying to teach them uh, proper movement mechanics. So like when you bear crawl, you're, you're above the floor, which means you have to learn how to put yourself in a neutral position. Um, which if you do that, you're basically like a baby crawling on the ground. Right. But that's a squat position. If you put the person in standing, it's a perfect squat position. So to train them to do that and to train them mechanics properly, we want their left hand and right leg moving simultaneously and then right and left. So you're moving opposites together. So it's like a neurological component as well. And you play tag. 
on the turf. So now they're crawling and they have to tag each other. They're moving quickly and they're trying to do it the right way, keeping their back flat. They have to stay an inch above the floor. You're literally playing fucking tag. Yeah. Um, you can do uh, tennis balls in the bucket to work on hand-eye coordination and agility. So, like, there's a bucket. They're sitting there. You have tennis balls in your hands, and you're throwing them each way, and they have to, like, be able to react, catch, put it back in the in the bucket, and there's a time limit. So now it's like a score. But that's agility. It's conditioning. It's hand-eye coordination. All it's going to help their sport. It's also going to burn a lot of calories because it's tiring as fuck. You're going to help them lose weight. Yeah. Right? So gamify everything. Like, literally try to gamify everything. Especially at that age. 100%. I actually think that most, and I can only speak for dudes, most dudes are going to do better with gamifying almost everything in life. Like when I was at the gym, when they gamified the sales yeah. game, phew, See ya. now I'm in. Like, it's just part of it, you know? Me and uh, me and Cody talked about this recently to Jake, and, and when we were there, we were talking about um, doing the same exact thing with trainers, and we used uh, marriage as an example. Like, gamifying the process of basically courting your wife yeah. and like trying to get them to want you more. Right. But you're like gamifying it and you're like tallying up how many times you got to do dishes before you get laid. Like it yeah. sounds ridiculous, but makes it way easier to do the dishes all the time, yeah. you know, and you're checking off boxes. It's a game. So gamify the shit out of everything. And I think the kids will do way better. I love it. You know, so cool. Simple. All right. Uh, we got one more here. It's from G Nicole. It says, Whenever I try to do RDLs, I struggle to feel anything in my hamstrings. I mostly feel it in my glutes on the lifting part of the movement, but only if I do high reps with a with 70 to 80 pound barbell. If it's heavier, I feel it in my back and my grip starts to fail. What am I doing wrong? I keep them in my programs occasionally to work on form in hopes they will one day it will click, but it hasn't so far. However, if I do weighted glute ham raises on the Roman chair, I can feel it in my ha hamstrings or glutes based on mind-muscle connection only. It's basically the same movement, though, so I'm curious on why. With RDLs in the lowering phase, I literally feel like I'm going to fall backwards. How can I fix this, or should I just give up? So, first and foremost, it's... You don't think you should give up? No. All right. I'm going to correct it. Um, watch the, I, I did a, a reel on this where I like, it was like three ways to not hurt your back doing RDLs. Watch that. Um, we can try to link it in the description of this and that'll help you because I do give the exact things that I'm going to tell you right now, but you can see me do it. Um, however, the glue ham raise, I don't know how you're doing on a Roman chair. I'm just that we we're at, we we're trying to think of this before we did the podcast. I have no idea how you're doing that. So one of two things, either I'm not seeing it or you're not doing a glue ham raise. One of the two. Um, now, even if you are doing a glute ham raise, that is not the same movement pattern at all. It targets the same muscle group, and I think that's where you're, most people get confused. Glute ham raise targets the hamstrings. RDL targets the hamstrings. Technically, an RDL targets just as much glute as it does hamstrings. A stiff leg RDL is specific to the hamstrings. So if you want to target the hamstrings, you need to do a stiff leg RDL, which I'll get to in a sec. But... The glute ham raise is a, uh, it's a knee flexion-based hamstring movement, right? So if you look at the glute ham raise, your knees are what are moving, right? Your joint, from a joint perspective, your hips stay locked out, and you lower yourself and you curl yourself back in. Your knees are doing the flexion extension. If you look at a RDL, you're, especially a stiff leg, your knees extend a little bit at the top if you lock out completely, but if you really want to target the hamstrings, you probably don't even need to do that because you're not trying to target glutes. That's the only reason you would lock out. But your hips 
are going into extension and flexion. So you're going into flexion with your hips, stretching your glutes back, and then extending them forward. So they're different movements because one is knee dominant, one is hip dominant, which tells me that you're struggling to target hamstrings with a hip dominant movement, which is different when coaching and correcting compared to a knee dominant movement. If you keep your, I mean, it's damn near impossible to not feel your hamstrings on a glute ham raise as long as you keep your hips locked out, even if you can't get up all the way, like you just can't not, but the RDL, other things can take over. So number one, what you want to do is don't lift it from the floor. So it sounds like you, when you're lifting it up, you feel it in your glutes, which tells me that you're basically just deadlifting it up, which means that your knees are bent too much at the beginning and you're lifting off the floor. Technically, the best way to do a stiff leg deadlift, unless you have really good flexibility or any kind of RDL period, is to have it in a rack. Unrack it, take a step back, and then do RDLs. Because you start the RDL from the top, not the bottom. An RDL is a negative, it's an eccentric-based movement. Um, much like a squat, right? When you squat, you take it off the rack and you squat. You don't crawl down underneath a bar and squat up. I mean, you can do that. It's called a pin squat, but it's fucking brutal. But point being... You're going to start from a rack, so you can start from the, in the lowering position. Next, you're not going to bend your knees too much because you want to be able to stretch the hamstring. That's the whole point. It's a loaded stretch is all it is. Focus on keeping the barbell super close. This is one of the things I talked about in the video. Let the barbell literally, I hate saying this, but slide down your thighs. I feel like it sounds really creepy when I say that. Slide down your thighs. I think it's perfect. Maybe I'm a creep. Um, but the barbell literally should just slide down your thighs as in it's like literally touching your legs the whole time all the way down. When you do that, you know that you're keeping your center of gravity good um, and your shoulders packed, right? That's the other thing. To keep your back neutral, you got to have it slide down your thighs and you have to bend the bar. Like literally try to imagine you're bringing your pinkies together, which your pinkies are on the outside. So in order to do that, it's almost like you're bending the bar around your legs as it touches you. That's going to fire the shit out of your lats and pull your shoulders down. Now your back's flat, your lats are engaged, you're stable. Then you're going to lower slowly, keeping your hips high, leading with your hips, um, not your chest. So a lot of times what people do is they lead with their shoulders because they're thinking, and this is just a subconscious thing, your mind is telling you to get the bar to the floor. So the first thing you do is bend over, your shoulders lower. But what you really want to do is imagine instead of getting the bar to the floor, getting your ass to the wall behind you. So wherever the wall is behind you, you don't want to literally touch it. Try to reach your butt towards the wall, which is why I use a different cue. And you can find this on our Taylor Trainer YouTube channel. Um, it's called the Band Resistor RDL. Put a band around your waist and have that band pulling you backwards towards a rack or something. So when you go to do an RDL, it's automatically pulling your hips back into flexion and keeping you in that right position. That's going to be a little more glute dominant, but it can teach you a little bit. If you set the band up high, it'll keep your hips up high. Um, and that's it. I mean, you literally just lean back with your hips. So start with your hips, lead your butt backwards, big stretch in the hamstrings, which means your hips got to be higher. Your knees should not bend that much. That's the difference between a stiff leg RDL for hamstrings and a regular RDL for more glutes and a little bit of hamstrings. Your, your knees bend more when doing a deadlift or an RDL your knees barely bend at all on a stiff leg deadlift. Totally. Um, they should bend slightly so you don't hurt yourself, but your goal is to barely bend them at all. So it's literally just like, I mean, think about if you're doing a hamstring stretch to touch your toes, you don't bend your knees. All this is, is the only reason you're bending your knees on a stiff leg RDL is because it's easier to keep your back flat. When you're touching your toes for a hamstring stretch, you don't need to worry about keeping your back flat because you're not loading it. It's not going to hurt your back. Loading a, a stiff leg RDL could hurt your back if you don't keep it flat. So, um, that's that though. But like if you let the bar slide down your thighs, you, you point your hips up higher with less knee flexion and lead with your hips, not your shoulders, I guarantee you'll feel it more. 
Um, and you don't even need to lock out at the top. There was a new meta-analysis that finally proved this, but basically you can, most of the hypertrophy that's going to happen is going to be in that bottom range when the, the muscle is loaded and maximally stretched. Not talking about strength here, but hypertrophy specifically, which is why a full range of motion is most likely more important for hypertrophy. They didn't say that in the study, but that's what it kind of lets you believe. They weren't testing for that, but full range of motion outperforms partial range of motion. But when they started doing these studies with the partial range of motion being at the bottom of the range or in the stretch position, because it depends where you're, what kind of movement you're doing. Um, that's where they, they actually saw just as much, sometimes more hypertrophy than a full range of motion. Totally. Because if you could do more volume or time under tension in that stretch <laughs> position by doing partials, you might get better, you know, which is crazy. Cause I, I was talking about this to Joe in the podcast. I remember doing that with mountain dog training in 2016 or some shit like that. And he was just way above his head of his time. You would do all your reps and he would finish in the partial range. So if somebody can't get, uh, this is a good example. If somebody's like, I only have three days a week to train. How do I build muscle? You could add extended rep, partial range of motion reps to a lot of stuff. So do your 10 reps and then sit at the bottom and do like quarter reps in that stretch position and just kind of keep stretching the muscle and loading at the bottom. You can get a lot of extra growth from that. So um, with an RDL, you want to focus on a slow negative, a big range of motion, big hamstring stretch. Even if you, like a lot of bodybuilders, you'll see them, they don't even lock out at the top and squeeze their glutes. They're just coming back up a little bit and then starting again. Because all they really want is that loaded stretch. Yeah. So Love it. Cool. All right, that was the last question for today. Kind of already gone over the announcements. You want to talk about anything? Uh, no, I think we're good. Um, I'm excited to... Uh, Bring out a lot of cool new content. If you guys like the show, leave us a five-star rating review, of course. Uh, if you haven't shared the show yet, please do so. We are working hard in, uh, what to say, masterminding how to uh, take the show to the next level. You know, we realize that this is this is probably our favorite type of content to do, and it's the most useful and the most well-received content. So we're going to be uh, pushing in a lot of different ways, um, and you'll see that coming very soon. So we're excited about it. Uh, please leave us a rating review if you enjoy the show as well. Share it with a friend if you think it can help them. Um, and of course, we appreciate you guys for listening and we will catch you next time. Bye.